What's up, everyone? It's Ray Garvin, host of the Destination Debbie podcast. If you're waiting until after the NFL season to start your college scouting process, you're already behind the eight ball. There are hundreds of college football games on each and every Saturday, far too many to keep up with along with following your favorite NFL teams. But don't worry, this show is designed for not only you hardcore Debbie leaguers, but those of you who want to learn about the next group of potential NFL stars and get a leg up in your traditional dynasty leagues. We don't just talk about the big name college football guys. We hit on the small school value prospects who also have a shot to make it at the next level. If you want to position your dynasty team for short and long-term success, make sure you check out the DDP on DLF and all the other amazing shows DLF has to offer. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Superflex Super Show proudly brings to you, that's Ethan the Good Dr. Turner. Hey, what's up, guys? I am James the Unrelenting Brain, and we are the Superflex Super Show. And if you're not down with that, we, of course, got two words for you. Rookie injuries. That's right. That's what we're covering today. I get Ethan the Good Doctor, Ethan Turner at eTurnerFF underscore PT on Twitter. Ethan, uh, how you been, man? It's been a while since uh, you and I have been able to podcast together. I'm good, man. Uh, I'm I'm very busy right now, just with life and uh, with with this injury history project that I do every year. And so I'm just I'm just I'm just pushing in the grind right now. Um, I'm I coach basketball as well, so. I, uh, this is like the busiest time of the year for me. So I'm, I'm, I'm having a good time though. I'm, I'm finally like trying to ease myself into actual adulthood and it's hitting me like a ton of bricks. So, um, I'm excited <laughs> when I can just dial it back and just go back to my roots and just talk about football and injuries. Uh, this is like my bread and butter. This is the only reason that I'm on this show right now is because I knew a lot about injuries. So uh, I'm excited that, that I get to, uh, to dig in and I, I'll be honest, this is my favorite part of the football season. I love scouting and this is, this is my creme de la creme. So anytime I can talk about college players that are coming into the NFL, I just get a rush. So uh, this is, this is great. Oh man. No, same here, man. I, I really enjoy this aspect of the game and I, you know, life, life uh, kind of hitting all of us right now. I know it's uh, it's, it's been difficult to get to a time where we can all get together and podcast here as of late, but, uh, but man, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one because uh, you know, while you're busy, you, you got all sorts of stuff going on. I didn't know that you coached as well. Uh, th- that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's not a full-time gig. It's more of a church league, but they're little kids. So I get a lot of enjoyment out of it. Shout out to my church basketball league, uh, fifth and sixth graders, uh, we won fifty to eight last week, so um, they're definitely they're definitely um, they're they're picking up what I'm putting down when it comes to coaching. And I always say, you know, uh, I'm I'm a football guy now, but growing up, I was always a basketball kid. So uh, I'm excited that I can. I definitely know the X's and O's better of basketball than I do of football, but it's a lot easier to get. So if you're a basketball fan out there, just that wasn't a knock. I'm just saying it's easier because there's less players, so you don't have to learn as much to coach it. Um, I wish I could coach football too, but there's just no way I would I would be lost on half of the things that happen. I'm I'm not an X's and O's guy when it comes to football. That that is uh, that sounds like it, it's rewarding, but man, with your time restraints and everything you got going on, it's uh, it's got to be kind of cool to to do something a little different there, Ethan. But uh, also, don't sell yourself short, man. You you are uh, very well versed in all things fantasy. The only reason why we turn to you for injuries not only is because you're kind of an expert at it, but also the rest of us kind of walk around, you know, uh, the rest of us Superflex Super Show hosts walk around, you know, with our mouths gaping open, uh, you know, mouth breathers when it comes to injuries and that sort of thing. So so you are our resident, uh, you, you would have been our, our, uh, our resident go-to on that regardless, just because, I mean, you know, you can, you can do it. So, um, 
yeah, I'm looking forward to this, though. We got we got some lists. And look, prerequisite here, we're going to talk about some players that you might find deeper in your drafts. You might find later in your drafts, right, Ethan? These aren't these aren't superstars that we're talking about that we know a lot of people have been discussing their injury history. We got some guys that are pretty well known, but we've also got some guys that are going to go later in rookie drafts. Um, I would say this. We're, we're, I would say we're definitely hitting that like mid round two to mid fourth round in terms of where these guys are probably going to go in rookie drafts. Definitely some, some super important names, uh, especially at tight end. But um, as far as the, the wide receivers, these are, these are, these are guys where the injury history plays every, every player. I think the injury history plays some portion in your evaluation. Um, however, this could be the difference between picking up a guy like Terry McLaurin in the third round or somebody that doesn't do anything for your fantasy team. So knowing kind of these injury histories is it could be a key factor for who you decide to take in these later rounds of rookie drafts. So I'm glad that I am. Uh, uh, the reason I'll also say the reason nobody else is talking about it is because uh, nobody else has the information. <laughs> my my. Uh, magnum opus in the fantasy community, I, I think, is the research that I put into these college players coming into the NFL um, and their injury histories. So uh, it, it's it's one of those things that it takes a lot of time to do all the research to do this. So nobody else does it. So this is definitely the probably the most uh, significant thing that I contribute outside of my beautiful voice. Uh, on the Superflex Super Show, uh, probably the best thing that I contribute to the Dynasty community, especially just because it's just it's hard to get this information. It takes me a long time. <laughs> I'll put it that way: about between twenty and thirty minutes a prospect. So, and I do about yeah. two, I do about two hundred of them. So it's oh, definitely man. definitely you're talking to the expert. Uh, all right. Well, that's do you hear that, listeners? You are getting nuggets of gold on this episode here that Ethan is going to be providing for us. And Ethan, make sure that everybody knows about uh, about all you know where they can find all those because I know that you recently have have started putting some of these out, right? Some of these uh, uh, some of these injury profiles that you do on some of these incoming rookies out. Uh, make sure everyone knows where you can where they can find those. Um, yeah, so I, I do a few different things with this with this data. So um, one, I obviously I tweet it out and use it. Um, if I find something super interesting when I'm when I'm going through a prospect, either the injuries is interesting, um, the it's something that nobody is talking about. Like a couple of years ago, when I found a, an ACL tear in Sony Michelle's history, nobody mentioned anything about it until I started tweeting about it. So. Um, if I find something like that, which is definitely important going forward for that guy's career, I'll tweet that out. Um, other things is just me analyzing kind of what does it mean when these guys have these injuries in their background and, and should we maybe be paying attention to it? I try to put as much context uh, to these injuries as I can, uh, especially when you're talking about guys who may have a rep for having a down year. Um, so if a, a player has a down season, Maybe he was hurt and and maybe not enough people are talking about that ankle sprain that he had in week two, um, even though he played through it, uh, that could be a huge contributor to having a down season. So I try to give some context uh, going a step further into analyzing these injuries and I put them. Uh, you can get the data um, either by contacting me directly on Twitter at U-Turn or FF underscore PT. Um, I do sell uh, access to my my personal database uh, where I'm collecting all this history. Um, this year, I'm I'm going I'm taking it totally to the next level. It's it's the injury, the year it happened, uh, a brief description of kind of how many games they missed, um, which games they missed, uh, when the injury occurred. So this is. I always, I always say that this is the closest thing that you can get to an NFL combine medical on a player uh, in the market. So uh, this is basically this document is the the closest thing that we have to what the teams actually get um, in terms of what these guys history are. So it, it's definitely um, definitely huge. It, I do include it in two uh, rookie guides that you can buy. Um, uh, one of them is dynasty one one Um, and then there's another guide that I hasn't officially, I won't officially announce that it's, it's in there yet, but just know that there's another draft guide that will have this, um, s uh, portions of this, 
database that I have um, included in their draft guide. So be on the lookout. I should be tweeting some stuff out about uh, both of those kind of as we go along in this process. Uh, but it's worth it. Trust me, it's worth it. But if you want access to my doc, the the master one, um, you can reach out on Twitter and and we I, I, I do sell access to it. So you have to pay for it. I'm sorry. I promise it sucks. Uh, I wish I didn't have to charge people for it. But honestly, when you're putting this much time into it, you got to have a little financial incentive to it. And again, you won't find it anywhere else. Nobody else is going to have this data. So um, to me, that's worth something. So uh, again, you can reach out on Twitter if you would like to gain access to the document as I'm filling it out. That's worth a whole lot. Absolutely. If you're playing Dynasty and you have an opportunity to get a, a, a report or a form that's that important that very few other people know about in the community or very few other people are getting, you, you got to get it. You got to. So. Um, yeah. I mean, for me, it's this is the difference. Uh, this I've done this for this is the third year I've done it. It's gotten bigger every year I've done it. Uh, two years ago, it was the difference between drafting Christian McCaffrey or Leonard Fournette first overall in the dynasty league. Uh, obviously Leonard Fournette had the history. Christian McCaffrey did not. Um, when you're talking about prospects, especially in a year like this year, where it seems like there's no real consensus, this could be the difference that, that gets you a Christian McCaffrey versus a Leonard Fournette. Now, obviously both those guys are very good, but for about two and a half years, it was pretty clear, and I think it's still pretty clear now that you want Christian McCaffrey. Uh, last year, the or uh, um, sorry, that was two years ago, three years ago. I get my years confused, but um, basically, that was the decision that I made in that draft. Um, the last big decision I made was between Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle, and we've seen how that's played out now with their injuries coming into the league. Obviously, you want. Uh, Nick Chubb. And so uh, even though he was the one that maybe had the stigma of being injury prone, uh, I, I I did try to, to pound the table for him uh, just because I thought Sony Michelle's history indicated that he was going to have a harder time um, once he got into the NFL staying healthy. And so these are huge decisions that you can make, especially at the top of drafts. And I think that if you don't have the information, you can't make that decision. So uh, again, that's uh, I'll, I'll stop uh, pitching it up as best I can, but, um, just know that, I mean, that the, these are decisions that could seriously impact your dynasty team for years to come. Absolutely. So Ethan, without any further ado, let's get into your, we're, we're going to give away a f some, some free nuggets basically here. Free uh, nuggets. You're gonna, yeah. You're going to give away some of these here on the podcast. So the lucky listeners of the Superflex super show are going to get a few and let's start with one of the most polarizing players in this draft uh, Henry Ruggs III, wide receiver out of Alabama. Uh, this is a player that um, I said had a few different injuries. We've had uh, a concussion. Um, I believe I believe a couple going back to high school, but I could be wrong on that. But I know at least one concussion there in Alabama, a hip pointer as well. Uh, this is a guy who who really kind of uh, looks like he's going to live on, die off of his speed. Uh, what what concerns do we have long term moving forward with some of the injuries that Henry Ruggs has suffered with, Ethan? Well, anytime you see a guy with Ruggs' size, he's a little bit smaller, uh, you do have to be concerned. And while I don't believe personally that he is a one-trick pony in that he just wins with speed, uh, that's definitely the most valuable trait that he has. And so when you're looking through a guy like Ruggs' history, the biggest things you're looking for are um, repetitive strains and sprains. Uh, think of Will Fuller, a guy that's pulled his hamstring multiple times. Um, you're looking for those types of injuries. Concussions uh, are pretty hit or miss. Um, the, the biggest thing is with my data specifically, it has to be reported for me to, to have access to it. So if it's never been reported, I don't, I don't have any way to uh, track it and officially track it. Um, just because you, you don't want to just say you guys had a, a multiple concussions. I've only found one, um, which was actually basically right at the end of the year in the citrus bowl. And he landed on his head pretty hard and, and left with a concussion. And so while that, while he has one on his record, that doesn't mean that he couldn't have had three or four more in high school that just, he wasn't a guy that the high school newspapers were reporting. And I do dig and dig and dig to try to find high school injuries. Um, but normally with a concussion, that's not going to be reported. Um, the biggest things is, uh, 
big injuries are going to be reported, but concussions really don't. So that's always a, 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 a something you need to at least keep mindful of if he starts having concussions when he gets to the NFL. Um, he did have a, a rib injury at a slight uh, a rib bruise. That was in uh, November of the last year, this season. Um, he also had a hip pointer, which is kind of an interesting injury. It's when you land basically directly on the, the top of your hip hip bone. Um, again, more of a bruise. He didn't actually miss any time, um, but he was kind of limited uh, after that. And then in 2018, he had an, an ankle sprain slash bruise, um, but he didn't miss any time with that. So really, uh, Ruggs has a pretty clean injury history from a from from my perspective, uh, you know, obviously you don't want to see the sprains and the bruises, um, but these are things that you don't typically get four or five hit pointers in your career. Um, the concussion's a little bit concerning because obviously that increases his risk going forward for another concussion. But uh, overall, Ruggs is a pretty healthy guy. I would not be concerned about drafting him. Okay, so that's nice. You know, we get kind of a clear conscience with Henry Ruggs and some of the injuries that he suffered. Uh, so moving forward, uh, let, let's go to another guy who, again, another really polarizing guy here in this draft class. You see a lot of people have him ranked very high, others low, and a lot of the reason is because of some of the multiple injuries that he suffered, and that's uh, LaVisca Chenault, wide receiver out of Colorado. Um, he's had multiple soft tissue injuries and I'm wondering with LaVisca Chenault, what, what do we think about about uh, these injuries moving forward? Is this something that has a high level of reoccurrence that, that we find, Ethan? Or is there, is there anything to be worried about here with LaVisca Chenault? Should we be moving him down our draft boards because of some of the injury issues? You know, he, he's definitely got a, a history that's a little bit more concerning than what Ruggs had. Uh, the big thing right now is this, uh, and I'm probably going to, to butcher this, but it's basically called osteitis uh, pubis, which is an inflammation of basically the pubic symphysis, which is where your two hip bones kind of connect right at your groin. Um, so if you're looking at a picture of the hip, um, both hip bone bones that connect, and there's a little piece of uh, soft tissue that, that basically connects the two. That's called your pubic symphysis, and and basically what happens is is that is a piece of soft tissue and it becomes inflamed. That's the itis portion of it. And it can be a pretty painful condition to kind of work through. Um, this is something that there's not a ton of research on. It's, it's pretty rare. I've never actually seen it, uh, with any of the athletes that, that I have either treated or looked up. I mean, this is the first time I've ever really heard of it. Um, but typically, uh, this is something where it takes a little bit of time to treat. Now, this is concerning for a guy like Chenault, who, while, we know him in dynasty circles. He's not really a mainstream name yet. And so if this impacts this, uh, this osteocytis, uh, I'm gonna, I'm going to butcher that every time. So, um, osteitis pubis, if this becomes an issue where he isn't running at the combine, it could really hurt his draft stock, which in turn could hurt his uh, dynasty value. As far as his uh, other injuries, uh, he had an abdominal strain in 2019. Um, he did end up missing uh, one game with that. So um, kind of concerning just because anytime you're missing a game, it's a little bit more of a significant strain. Um, and then in 2018, he actually had surgery at turf toe. And, and so that's a sprain of the big toe. It hyperextends. And then basically the ligaments um, on the bottom of the big toe um, tear. And then you usually have to have surgery. And so um, he did miss. Uh, he did end up missing three games after he had that surgery. It, it happened in October um, and he was pretty limited um, for, for the games where he returned after that. Um, and he did eventually opt for surgery. So he didn't get surgery immediately, but uh, that's, that's a little concerning because we've seen turf toe kind of creep up over and over again, uh, especially with wide receivers. Think of a guy like AJ green um, who's been dealing with turf toe on and off. You know, that is, most likely going to be irritated when he goes and takes that plant back to take off. And so uh, while it's not a do not draft injury, it's definitely something that it's worth noting in this history that maybe he's going to be a little bit more predisposed to those types of things. Interesting. So yeah, something to, to look for with, uh, with Wavishka Chanel. And if he runs at the combine, we, you know, we're what a week away from the combine. So we're, we're right there, man. And so it's right he, there. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, he doesn't have, he's only got a limited amount of time before, uh, 
you know, he's going to be faced with that decision whether or not to run. So it'll be interesting to see kind of whether or not he, he feels like he's going to be able to run and it's not going to affect him there at the combine because I think you're right. I think what he runs and uh, and some of the other drills that he can do are really going to affect his draft stock pretty significantly. So let's, let's move on here. Next name I want to talk about is Zach Moss, running back out of Utah. This is a guy who I was hoping would declare last year because I was really high on him, and I think that class was uh, you know, a little bit weaker at the running back position. But he had a knee injury that ended his 2018 season, so he decided to return uh, – what what do we got for Zach Moss? I know that he he ran on that knee and seemed okay this past season, but is that an injury that uh, for a running back a knee injury sometimes a significant one kind of kind of hurts a little bit sometimes you 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 cringe when you see that on a running back at times, Ethan. But uh, but not all knee injuries are created equal. So let me know what uh, what was this injury and is it something that we should be worried about moving forward with a guy like Moss. You know, I, I think it is. It's it's a really obscure story. So basically what happened was uh, he injured it initially in practice earlier in the week, and then he was getting into his bed or bunk, and I'm not sure. Um, you never know with college kids how tall those beds are, but he's getting into his bed, and his knee essentially locks in a 90-degree angle. Um, and so that's not ideal. <laughs> Obviously you don't want your knee to just lock like excruciating pain. He could not physically straighten his knee out. And so, um, no diagnosis was ever officially given. I have heard some, I've never seen anything to substantiate this claim, but I've heard of some other prominent fantasy analysts saying that he tore his ACL I don't believe that he tore his ACL. Uh, one, I don't believe it tore his ACL because that is not the mechanism that is common for an ACL tear. Typically, you hear a pop. Um, it swells immediately. And if it was an ACL, they are almost always, 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 always reported. And so the fact that there was not an official diagnosis given tells me that it's probably not an ACL. Um, this is me doing a little bit of medic medical uh I have to make some assumptions based on what I know, what I could find. Um, <laughs> basically, he injures it in practice. He's fine. He's walking around. He's doing okay. Um, a few days later, he re-injures it, um, getting into bed. It locks on him. Um, and then he ends up having surgery, and he missed about four to six months. The, it's a, it gets a little bit vague with how long these guys are officially out once the season ends, but he missed the final five games of the season. Um, so you're looking at at least a month and he was back later, um, for some spring practices. So, you know, you're looking at April, you're looking at right around five months. So ACL tears don't, you don't come back to practicing in five months in most, most cases. That's why I don't think it's an ACL. Um, given that description, that locking, that is a textbook meniscus injury. Um, one of the most common um, signs of a meniscus tear is basically locking where your knee locks um, because basically that meniscus gets in the way and then you can't physically push past it. Um, so I do believe that this was a meniscus tear of some sort. Um, the question is, what did they do? Why did it take so much longer? I think what happened was, and again, this is me speculating. This is not in my in my official guide. I do not put this, but I do uh, I do basically lay this same case out. I believe it was a meniscus tear that they chose to repair instead of basically clipping it out. So they didn't um, basically go in and remove the meniscus. I believe they went in and actually physically repaired the knee. Um, I heard him on a uh, stick to football podcast. They actually interviewed Zach Moss about this injury. And he said, so he didn't really give much info about it, except that he said he was immobilized for a good chunk of time with a meniscus repair. You basically lock the knee out for about six to eight weeks. And so that would make sense given what he said that he was uh, unable to move it for a, a significant amount of time. That would make sense with a meniscus repair. And so, I do think it was a meniscus injury. Is it concerning long-term? Um, the fact that he had a, he's had a full year to recover, um, the fact that even if, if it was a repair, it's actually better for his long-term outcome because now he still has an intact meniscus. Um, 
but it's still worth noting. I mean, it was a major surgery. There's a lot of mystery around it. And so who knows exactly how much damage was done in that knee. Um, he is one that you, you, I would not be surprised if we hear, uh, after combine medicals that there's some serious questions regarding that knee. So, uh, again, he's got a few other injuries in his history that are worth noting. He's had a shoulder injury that made him miss six weeks of practice. Um, probably a, a sprain of some sort, an AC joint injury, uh, could have been a broken clavicle that would have also went six, uh, six weeks, but because it was a spring injury, didn't really report on it or didn't have to report on it. Um, he's had two ankle sprains, um, and so didn't really miss a ton of time with those. So I'm not as concerned about him. But again, worth noting, um, he did have an AC joint separation, which is a shoulder joint. So again, a second shoulder injury. Um, he missed a game with that. So uh, that's worth noting. So he's had he's had a few uh, significant issues kind of going on in his history. Um, again, is it the end of the world? Absolutely not. Is it worth noting if you're evaluating him? I do think so, because this is one of those situations uh, we see it often where a guy that everyone's super high on starts falling into the third, fourth, uh, sometimes even the fifth round. And we're like, well, how the heck did this happen? And you can look back occasionally at some of these, this injury history and go, maybe that knee wasn't quite right. Maybe there was something wrong. Maybe there is a little bit more arthritis um, in that knee. Maybe his shoulder didn't check out. And so that again, is just one more piece of the puzzle that, yeah, you can wait for the NFL to tell you that, or you can get it, you can get it ahead of time. And that's what I'm trying to provide uh, with these injury histories. Wow. Okay. So Ethan playing detective here, trying to piece together the pieces, uh, the, the missing pieces that we don't have to try to uh, diagnose an injury. So I, I like that. I'm glad that you were able to kind of break that down for us. And uh, so weren't able to find out a ton about Zach Moss's knee injury, but you were able to kind of piece together some things. So I'm really going to going to see if you could play detective with this next, next one, because I, this next player I, I have rostered on several different Debbie rosters that I have. And this player got hurt last season, and uh, there was very little given about the injury. And I looked and prodded, and I could not find anything at the time other than lower body injury and that that player was donovan people jones the wide receiver out of michigan this is a guy who is an explosive return man too so he uh he he seems to have some value to teams even if even if the wide receiver position is uh is is stacked and you know they're not uh teams aren't lining up to uh to, to put him at wide receiver he could very well contribute on special teams so this is a guy that uh, that i'm looking at and going ethan what do we know? Did, did you, were you able to find anything out on this lower body injury for Donovan people Jones? Is it something we should worry about if you did finger, figure it out or, um, or, or what, what was going on there? Do you have any idea? Uh, I can tell you that <laughs> I can tell you, I also struggled to find information on this. It's, it's amazing kind of how much we can find, how much I can find and also how little I can find with certain issues. Um, with Peoples Jones, uh, he missed those first two games of the season, uh, but no official diagnosis was given. It was a right foot injury, so I did at least pinpoint mm -hmm. the area of the body, um, which is more than what they were giving. I had to really dig for that. Um, the question is, what is it? And so I don't know. I mean, there's no way for me to – there's a lot of things that could have gone wrong with his foot. It could have been a fracture. It could have been a Liz Frank injury that maybe was just a sprain. Uh, it could have been a Jones fracture. I think if it was something more serious uh, than a sprain, I think we would have gotten more reports about it and we would have seen a surgery or something else. Um, it seemed like it was just something that he hurt his foot uh, – there are instances with a Liz Frank injury where you have a foot sprain and it's just sprained. They don't have to actually go in and do a surgery for it, but it does take a lot of time to fix. And so I wonder if uh, a guy that's a little, he's a, he's a little bit bigger receiver. Um, but obviously, like you said, very explosive, uh, that would be a, an injury that I think he would be predisposed to given the amount of force that he's planting uh, with that foot. That being said, um, 
the groin strain that he had last last the season uh, before that this off season is actually the thing I'm more concerned about. So uh, he he was diagnosed with a groin strain in in the spring, and he missed basically the entire spring camp with this groin injury. Um, nobody no reports were that he had surgery. Uh, but if you go back and actually look at the headlines and the things of what the coaches were saying with this groin stain, they were worried he wasn't going to be healthy for this season. Now, mind you, this was in the spring of 2019, and they were worried that that fall he wouldn't be ready with this groin strain. So was the foot injury uh, a, comp- a compensatory injury from this groin strain? I don't know. I can't really put those pieces together, but uh, at least it's worth noting that yeah, this injury happened in the spring, but it's still a major portion of his history. Um, and it's actually the one I'm more concerned about because if there is a was if there was a major groin strain, he would definitely be predisposed to having more issues down the road uh, with that with that muscle specifically. Wow. Okay. Well, see, here I am trying to trying to find players that missed some some game time, and uh, and the injury that we should be worried about was was the one that he suffered in spring, and that makes total sense to me. Uh, a major groin strain that would keep him out that long to me is is alarming. So, uh, let's move on to our first tight end, and this is a guy who I, I'm shocked a lot of people in uh, you know in the the dynasty community have this guy ranked as their tight end one and that that surprised me a little bit but that's Cole Komet tight end from Notre Dame uh we know that he he, he suffered from a broken collarbone and missed uh, missed a good portion of the season what in Cole Komet's uh injury history should we be worried about broken collarbone is that something uh I, I can't think that that has too much of a high uh re-injury risk but but you know are you uh is Cole Komet maybe more of a risk to injure something else because of that? I'm not sure. Ethan, tell me about Cole Komet and his injury history. Yeah, so with Komet, uh, obviously the big one is that that clavicle fracture, the collarbone fracture, whatever you want to call it. Um, he did have surgery, so basically they just put a plate in to make sure that it heals correctly. Um, he missed the first two games of the season in 2019 with that injury. Honestly, bone bone fractures are – I don't put a ton of stock in them. Um, it is a myth that players that anyone really, uh, that your bones don't heal, uh, as they don't heal back as strong as they were before. They actually tend to heal a little bit stronger, um, in those portions where you have a broken bone. So anyone who says, oh, he had a clavicle fracture. So he's more predisposed to another clavicle fracture. There's just not really much evidence to support that. So, uh, not worried really about broken bones, um, in that regard, he did have an ankle sprain back in 2018. Um, in September, he did miss two games with that. So you got to you got to figure that was a, a um, at least a, a a painful injury. Maybe not have been uh, super serious. But besides that, Kmet really hasn't had anything that makes me concerned uh, going into the NFL uh, about his injury history. Okay. Yeah, and then see this tight end class has, has largely been ignored just because in the at least in the fantasy community, because there's not a lot of names that we expect that are going to be uh major contributors. But Cole Komet seems to be a guy that if you're gonna take a tight end, people are really high on. So definitely wanted to address him. I, I wasn't sure, but I, I had a feeling that uh, that that broken collarbone wasn't gonna be too much of an issue moving forward. Uh but hey, you're you're the uh, you're the expert, so I'm gonna bring it to you and let you tell everybody kind of whether or not they should worry so next up we got kj hill wide receiver out of ohio state um high ankle sprains uh you know we saw them uh, kind of plague him a little bit at ohio state a high ankle sprain is something that when i see once you know it, it is what it is but multiple high ankle sprains what do you think ethan uh, did we see that in his um in his uh, injuries history you know, I didn't really find uh, any official diagnosis for more than one. He did have one in 2016, um, and he did end up having surgery. And so this is a surgery that we uh, – the high ankle sprain surgery is something that's becoming more common um, in, the, in the college ranks. It's not really taken off yet um, in the NFL ranks. I don't know if it's there's a reason behind that or not. Um, but we've seen basically it's called a tightrope surgery. And so what they used to do is if you had an unstable ankle, um, a high ankle sprain is the, the, 
the tissue that connects the two bones in your shin. And so the reason it's a high ankle sprain is obviously because it's, it's higher up in your ankle. And so that tissue gets torn and then those bones kind of bow out away from each other. And that can be obviously be very painful um, and it can cause some instability. And so what they do is they basically go in and where those two bones are bowing at the bottom, they'll drill a hole and then they will put a tightrope or a rope actually in connecting um, and, and basically securing those two bones together. Um, and what that wow. does is it basically acts as that tissue that is torn. Um, it provides that stability and allows that those two bones to one stay together so that that tissue can heal correctly. Um, because obviously if you're walking around on it and things that those bones are going to bow out and it's going to pull that tissue apart. That's why high ankle sprains are, uh, much more notorious for taking longer to heal is because if you're constantly on it, every time you take a step, those bones will bow out away from each other, um, and pull that, that tissue that's trying to heal together, uh, it will pull it apart. And so, um, the tightrope acts as a, an anchor to keep those bones together, but and this is, this is a big, but, um, the big thing is that that now is your, for the time working as that tissue that was torn. And so that's why you tend to see those guys come back a lot faster. Tua has had Tua um, Tungo Vailoa has had two of these surgeries, one on each ankle. Um, I know we're not really getting into him much, but I promise if you follow me on Twitter, you're going to find out more about Tua. He's going to be a big topic heading into next week in the combine. Um, he's had two of those. Jalen Hurts also, um, when he was at Alabama, ended up having a tightrope surgery. So uh, this is the fourth one now that I've seen. Um, of players getting this tightrope surgery in college and I've yet to see one in, in the pros. And so I think as more research comes out and we start to see these guys who come back from a high ankle sprain, he it only cost him two games. Um, Hill that is. And Tua, same thing came back a lot faster. Uh, we're going to start seeing some players opting to get this surgery done in the pros as well. Um, I'm, pre I'm predicting that that is going to be a trend that we start to see. Um, that being said, haven't really had much issue with it since then. He did have a shoulder injury in 2018. Um, it was not a diagnosed shoulder injury, but we know that he did have surgery. And so he missed all of spring practice, uh, with a surgery that could have been a labrum. It could have been really anything. Um, could have just been a scope uh, that they kept him out where they basically just go in and clean some stuff out. Um, so we don't know exactly what that injury was, but the fact that he had a surgery makes it a little bit more significant than if it was just a, Hey, guy had a shoulder injury, sat out spring practice. No, he had a surgery. So something was wrong. Um, but besides that, not a whole lot on KJ Hill. Uh, I, again, it, you can use this information as much as you want. Um, the, the question is, how serious is it? The fact that he hasn't really had an issue, um, at least not a major issue, issue with an ankle sprain since 2016, tells me this is probably just an isolated incident um, and that really it isn't something that I'm too concerned about going forward. Very neat when we when we hear the, uh, the ins and outs of that surgery. Ethan, can you tell me, obviously it seems like this is something that's um, being used uh, uh, pretty recently um at, at least in, in the college ranks can you tell us is there any any concerns that players have long term is that maybe why they're holding off on this or is there uh is the research pretty much just shows that you know it's gonna be it's gonna help you return uh from injury from this injury a high ankle sprain injury quicker um i think that the obviously the players and really anyone this isn't a surgery that a high school kid should get. Um, it's a surgery. And so you're putting them at risk. Uh, when you do get, when you do have this surgery, you're putting them at risk for the natural risks that you have for any surgery, uh, risk of infection. You're, you're obviously risking something failing and then having to go back in and address that. And so, um, the reason that this is becoming more common, I think, is because one, it does accelerate their return to play. Um, and two, I think it is relatively a pretty safe procedure. Um, 
it's new. And so the NFL doesn't adapt things that are new and it's a surgery. And so the last thing you want, if you're an NFL team uh, and you have all the resources in the world is to have a player get a surgery and have them get an infection. And then you're dealing with an issue that could have been fixed by just sitting that guy out for two weeks um, and letting him rest it on his own. Uh, Again, there's pros and cons to all of these uh, all of these procedures. This is just one that I am finding more and more as I look into the college ranks is becoming more and more commonplace. And so uh, it's definitely something that I think if the research continues to grow like it has and players continue to have positive results when they come back, you're going to start seeing it more and more get integrated at the NFL level. Yeah, we'll have to keep an eye out for that to see if if or when players actually use that that surgery especially you know you wonder if it's a player who uh who's you know a high profile player uh and uh, and is needed for a playoff push or something you wonder at that point you know if uh, if they take it a little bit more hey i got to get back sooner uh it's worth the risk for me at this point so uh, very interesting information regarding that uh, ethan that's that's awesome i didn't know that uh, that surgery existed so so kind of fun that that we learned that uh Let's, let's move on here. DJ Dallas, running back from uh, the University of Miami. Uh, this is a name that we're starting to hear bandied about as a late-round sleeper for a lot of people in dynasty circles. Um, he had a dislocated elbow. It doesn't. I, I can't think that that has a high injury, a re-injury risk, but um, there were some other things too. What did you find on DJ Dallas? Is this something that we should be worried about with, with his frame? You know, he is a little bit of a smaller guy, um, super explosive, so the Elbow injuries with a running back, I'm a little bit less concerned about uh, only because they don't run with their elbows. And so, yes, they're leading with the elbow when they're running, but it's not something that I'm much more concerned when I see an ankle sprain or a knee sprain um, or a major injury in the lower half of the body. Um, Dislocation, this is kind of one of those freak things, very unlikely that it happens again. Um, the question is, is how much damage was done with this dislocation? Um, if it's just a dislocation, um, that was basically set back in place and there was no fracture, there was no major ligament tears. Uh, there's not really too much to be concerned about. Um, you know, there is a a fair chance that he had a fracture, but the fact that he's returned, um, to doing, to doing workouts and, and doesn't seem to be, uh, uh, there doesn't seem to be any concern that he's going to participate, not participate in the combine. Uh, I'm just going to chalk this one up to kind of one of those freak issues that will probably never really come up again in his career. Okay, that well, that sounds good. That that sounds like a, uh, a sleeper that I'm willing to take a risk on. Then let's get to our last player here, and this is another tight end, Ethan. This is Hunter Bryant, and a lot of people very high on Hunter Bryant as well at the tight end position. Uh, even though a lot of people feel like this is a down tight end class, Hunter Bryant um, is, is a name that you hear bandied about towards the top end of those tight ends uh, for certain. Uh, it, he, he suffered a partially torn ACL in 2018. Tight ends are tough for me because sometimes they're in line blocking. Sometimes they're out running routes. It seems like they, they have two different jobs kind of merged into one. And I never really know how to read into injuries for, for some of these guys, which ones are more significant than others. Is he a wide receiver or a lineman? I, I don't know. A uh, little bit of both, I guess. So uh, tell me a little bit about Hunter Bryan, his injury history, and whether or not we should be concerned on him. Yeah, another one kind of like Zach Moss that's really interesting. You obviously picked out some some pretty good players to kind of highlight here, but Hunter Bryant in 2017 had a partial ACL tear uh, with an LCL tear. And the reason I say with an LCL tear and why that's important is because it tends to prolong the recovery. Um, you only have four major ligaments in your knee, and so – Uh, When you tear half of them, it becomes a concern. There's obviously stability issues um, in that knee. And and when we get to it, I'll I'll tell you here in a second why. Just remember that he had that ACL tear with an LCL tear and that his stability was an issue um, when you have a multi-ligament tear along with just recovery time. Um, That was in October of 2017. Um, He did miss four games and he tried to play in the team's bowl game. I think he made a brief appearance, only a few snaps and then left. And so obviously that 
that tear was not completely healed. I think he just wanted to uh, try to gut it out for his team and and obviously he wanted to play in a bowl game. Who knows um, you know, if he's going to get another opportunity to do that. Where this story, where this plot thickens, especially with this injury history and, and where I think uh, this is one that, again, I had to do a little detective work, um, was in 2018 in June. Uh, he had he had surgery again. So he had surgery initially with the partial tear of his ACL. The ACL will not heal itself. It's not well. that um, doesn't have a good blood supply, so it doesn't heal itself. The LCL will heal, heal itself somewhat, depending on where the tear is, um, but not as well as like an MCL does. And so he had surgery in 2017 when he first injured it. And then in June, that following summer, he had a meniscus tear or at least what was told to be a meniscus tear, uh, what was reported as a meniscus tear in that knee. He had surgery again. Um, However, this is where I had to do a little bit more because there are some very strong indications that this was not just a meniscus tear the second time. Uh, He, it's the same knee. It was reported as a meniscus tear. However, he posted a a photo which has since been deleted, but I have I have basically found uh, in my research a photo um, that he posted to I believe it was Instagram, but it may have been Twitter. Don't quote me on exactly this, but basically this photo has a picture of him with a massive brace on his knee, and so this brace that he's using in this picture. Uh, is not not your typical meniscus brace. Uh, this is a brace that is most commonly used with an ACL surgery. And so this is where this plot thickens because not only did he have this brace and then he immediately deleted the photo, uh, he also missed the first nine games of the 2018 season. Nine games missed for a June meniscus tear. Nine games, almost the entire year, for a June meniscus tear. Wow. This is this is where I have to. You have to kind of put your thinking caps on, and and some people might say, "Oh, it's a meniscus tear," and you just take it at face value. But this is where I think that you have to dig a step deeper. One, if you find the photo which I did, and I took the time to find it because I heard a rumor that it was out there. Um, You find this ACL brace, combine that with his recovery time, which was uh, significantly longer than a typical meniscus tear. Um, Combined with his history that only uh, six months prior, he had a partial tear repaired uh, with an LCL injury. So his knee was pretty unstable at the time. And then I think you add all those things up and you come to the conclusion that I've come to, which was that I believe that his ACL was eventually completely torn, um, which is a major injury. And it's worth noting. Um, the fact that it isn't reported as such, I think is one, a good move on whoever is in charge of this, this kid's PR team that told him to get rid of that picture. Um, why would he delete the picture unless someone told him to, uh, two, I think that it obviously looks much better on your, if somebody is doing what I'm doing and looking up your injury history and they find a partial ACL tear, which is initially all that was reported. I had to dig for the LCL tear also being injured. And then you see a meniscus tear a few months later, you think, Oh, that's just probably just something that's wrong. A little bit of instability has a meniscus tear. But when you put it all together, I think he did end up completely tearing that ACL in that left knee. And that puts him at a ton of risk for early onset arthritis, uh, fu- future injuries um, in that region, in that left knee. And so this is one that, again, probably a top five tight end consensus in this class for Dynasty. But if you look at his history, there are some there are some red flags there. And so... Um, yes, this injury, he did have a good, uh, 2019 season. So, um, it was good to see him bounce back, um, from this injury, but it's still worth noting because we're, we've seen it time and time again, where these ACL tears, uh, lead to this early arthritis and then you lose that explosion. And when you lose that explosion as a tight end, you start to lose your fantasy value very quickly. And so, um, again, 
a little bit of detective work. It's part of the reason why I think what I do is so important to dynasty owners and also just to the fantasy community in general, because uh, ultimately the people that need this information and don't have it um, are doing themselves a disservice. And so if you can put yourself one more step ahead, um, you're going to find a, a lot of positive results. I will tell you that some of the most followed NFL writers on the planet are using this document as we speak. So uh, if you want to be one of those people, you should definitely reach out to me because um, I, I do think that it is that important. Wow. See, that is the kind of information that you're only getting from Ethan. That's why you tune in and that's why you contact Ethan and follow him on Twitter at eTurnerFF underscore PT. Make sure to contact him about that, that master sheet. It sounds like it's going to be worth every penny. Um, Ethan, do you have anything else to add? Because that's going to do it for us here. Um, you got anything else to add uh, before we, we sign off here? Yeah, you know, I really don't. Um, keep an eye out uh, here in the next week or so. I'm going to be doing my first official appearance with Fantasy Headliners on YouTube. Um, that's kind of my newest project that I'm doing, obviously hanging out with Superflex Super Show as always. But uh, my new big project is doing videos with them. And I believe the first video we are doing is a, a deep dive into Tua Tungavailoa. And so that is going to be definitely something that probably the most uh, asked about player that I have in my database right now um, is Tua and his, obviously, um, his hip injury. So uh, keep an eye out for that. But besides that, you can follow me on Twitter at eTurnerFF underscore PT. Um, and I don't really have anything else. That's huge. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be listening. I can tell you that. And you guys are all nuts. Every one of you listeners is crazy if you're not going to catch that with Ethan. Uh, the video that uh, that he's going to provide and the audio that you can get uh, right away with that, not only can you see what he's going to be talking about, but you're going to be able to hear everything um, you know that's coming out of his mouth. And it's, it's gold when it comes to these injuries. So, um, All right, Ethan. Well, that's going to do it for us. I want to give a special thank you to our listeners, each and every one of you. Thank you so much. And a special thank you to heart and soul radio for their use of the song the addiction also a special thanks to the dynasty league football family of podcasts and the entire dlf staff for their ongoing support make sure that you give us a rate and review wherever you listen to this podcast those rate and reviews help us provide better content to you the listener and allows us to improve our show in any way that we can also make sure to follow and send questions and trade polls to the podcast handle on twitter at Superflex Show. You can also send them to me directly at underscore James the Brain. You can send them to Ethan at E Turner FF underscore PT. Also make sure to follow the other uh, our other co-hosts. You can send them your trade polls as well at Brian Har FF um, for Brian Har Stompy at FF Stompy and John Hogue at Superflex Dude. Make sure to follow all of us. You can send us any of your trade polls. We can get those retweeted, and we might even share them on the show. So thank you again, and remember, stay sexy and super flexy. Yeah,